0: December 20th, 2018. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Polk Runyon, and tonight we present a discussion on the hermetic origins of the Holy Grail as presented in Wolfram von Essenbach's medieval romance, Parzival. Now, this is a follow-up on an earlier broadcast from three years ago in which we read Jeanine René's article on Parsifal from the 7th Ray, issue number 19, January 1977. In the introduction to her article, I stated that much of the symbolism and the allegory of Kellner's original O.T.O. derived from Parsifal. This and other fascinating secrets embedded in Wolfram's medieval masterpiece will be the subject of tonight's broadcast. So, if you want to find the grail, we have the clues for you. Essenbach's Parseval is like Colonna's Hypnorodomanskia. It's one of those old books full of secrets and magic, and our job here on the Hermetic Hour is to dig them out for you. Uh, before we get into this discussion, I got to get my my black cat, black shadow, off of the off, of, off the um, the desk here. Oh, and he's sinking his claws into my chest. Here. <laughs> before we get into this discussion, we need to define our terms, our setting, and our medium. Uh, just what is the Holy Grail? Where was it in history, myth, or legend? And where do we find reference to it? Now the grail, holy or not, was a magical object in the medieval sugaric romances centered around King Arthur's round table. At first the grail was an ever replenishing feeding vessel. In his Percival, The Story of the Grail, by the French author Chrétien uh, de Troyes, Percival eleven that, that, that came out in eleven eighty five and circulated in manuscript <laughs> at that time. But but Charentian never finished the story. It's assumed that Charentian's Grail is based on the pagan Celtic myth of a feeding cauldron. It is not particularly Christian, even though Arthur's court is Christian in his story. The the German troubadour poet Wolfram von Essenbach's version of the tale Parzival, which he frankly admits is based on Charentian's version, appears in manuscript in the early 1200s but it didn't reach print until 1477 in farzabal the, the grail is a wondrous magical jewel which comes from the stars and also provides food and drink for its circle of devotees in Charentian's story it also provides a a sort of conditional immorality you know if, if you if you're in the presence of the grail you can't die for at least a week <laughs> And, uh, and so you have to come back every week. In the story, the wounded king of the grail community will pass his crown and the stewardship of the grail to the questing knight who asks him about his infirmity. But Percival does not ask the question, that's Serentius Percival, does not ask the question and is banished from the community. Sherindian died before he could finish the story, and he left his hero with his quest unfulfilled. Now Wolfram von Essenbach decided to do his own version of the story, resolving the tale by returning his Parseval to the Grail Castle to ask the proper question, and become the Grail King and reunite with his wife, reconcile with his Muslim half, presumably live happily ever after. Now, in Wolfram's story, the grail is a wondrous jewel that knows the names of its predestined family, and it reaches out to them, drawing them to seek... The Grail Castle Montsalvat. Wolfram's Grail is linked to Christianity. Let me stop for just a second here. But you know, you know that Tolkien kind of reversed this whole business with the uh, with the Ring, uh, with, with the One Ring, and in Mordor, and he made it evil. Whereas this this the Grail. Which which is is, is like the one ray it, it it lights up and and you can read and you can read your name in it or the name of the, the names of the Grail family. Um, so anyway, now every Good Friday, a white dove descends from heaven and puts a host wafer on the stone. Now, this motif, of course, is symbolized in the logo of the Ordo Templi Orientis, (OTO), but it is not mentioned in any of its modern rituals or its official documents. It won't find it anywhere in the Blue Equinox, and you won't find it. it, it it's just it, it's you know it's uh, Crowley uh, Crowley Red when he was when he was a teenager and he really liked it, uh, but but for some reason or other he didn't. Uh, this isn't the route that he went. Although the 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 original German OTO they certainly used the uh, Parseval symbolism in the in the local. Now after Parseval another French writer, Robert de Baron, wrote. A three part, uh, uh, three 3 uh, stories on this Joseph of Arimathea, Merlin, and then Percival, in which he put forth the idea that the Holy Grail was, in fact, the cup Christ used at the Last Supper and that in which Joseph of Arimathea caught his blood and got the crucifixion. Now, of course, Joseph of Arimathea then carried the grail all the way to Britain and into Arthurian legend. De Baron's concept of the grail was influential on Mallory, and it has become the most popular version of the legend, you know, and then and, and, and Indiana Jones goes after it. But uh, Wolfram's version is the most mystical, and as scholarship has established, the most hermetic. Wolfram claimed to have had access to heathen lore. Now, whenever Wolfram writes heathen, he means Arabic. Heathen lore. And to have received his information on the grail from a master of magic, Coyote, who may have been a Iranian Sabian, one of those pagan Syrian magi, who adopted the teachings of Hermes Trismegistus to avoid the restrictions of Islam. Now they, the Sabaeans, were the astrologers uh, to 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 the Caliphs, they were the wizards of the Arabian Nights, and they were professors of astrology, magic, and alchemy in Spanish universities. And they probably... Taught the, taught the Jewish Kabbalists uh, uh, a lot of things that uh, that uh, uh, that ended up in the Zohar. Uh, and when von Essenbach was writing his story, they were teaching in those Spanish universities, and their teachings are discernible throughout the tale. Now, I intend to read as many of these passages as I've been able to uncover in the text, and I will also. I will also cite scholarly authority to back up the hermetic influence. The book, Procrater Crater and the Grail, Hermetic Sources of the Parzival, 1965, by Henry and René Kahane and Angelina Pietregel, is a detailed study based on the Mustard and Passage Translation, 1961, which is the copy of Parzival, to which we will refer to in this lecture and that's the one that Janine used uh, when she she did her article. I do not want to discourage listeners from reading Parsifal, but I think it is fair to warn you that it is not easy reading. It most resembles a vast, sprawling, epic fantasy novel. Wolfram invented his own geography, where there is no English Channel, and Sicilian and Spanish locations seem to be an easy riding distance of each other. We, we, uh, we know the author was a professional tournament jouster and a troubadour poet, but I also suspect that he did some overseas service as a crusader. He has great respect for Saracen culture and bravery. And his father in the in the story and in, in the in his in his epic, his father's first wife was a Saracen queen who gave birth to Parzaval's half-brother Fifez, who, although piebald in complexion, is described as equally brave and noble and of course, the author describes the hermetic wisdom of the Grail secrets of the master Coyote as being recorded in Arabic as they were because because the, the Arabs preserved uh, the, the Hermetic uh, uh, traditions from Alexandria. Now, the book is actually an epic-length poem of nearly a thousand stanzas, divided into 16 books. The story begins with Parzival's father and his Saracen queen. He leaves her North African city to return to Europe. She dies of a broken heart after giving birth to, to Parzival's piebald half brother, Firfaz. Uh, Parzival's father remarries a Welsh princess and serves so Parzival. Then his father dies in a joust and leaves his second wife to raise the child alone. Now she retreats into a forest and raises the boy with the intention of keeping him at home and away from any knowledge of his heritage. Or the institution of knighthood. You know, you, know, you, you, you know, he's like one of the one of those the mothers before World War One, you know. I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier <laughs> but the uh, but the boy meets a knight while he's out hunting and he's bitten by the bug, The knight tells him about King Arthur in the court. And he leaves home to join King Arthur and become a knight. And his mother is all upset about this. She gives him some very bad advice on how to handle women. And she's hoping he'll get in trouble, and he does. And, and uh, he comes across a young woman sleeping in a tent all by herself out in the woods. And he tries to make love to her, and she wakes up and fights him off. And he departs before her husband uh, comes back from his hunting trip to find her in disarray. Now the husband blames her for the encounter and believes she has been unfaithful to him. The poor woman is mistreated for years until Parzanov finally has it out with her husband. And uh, and then in the course of the... Well, of course, it's, <laughs> He knocks the guy off his horse, and and, and then uh, you know, then 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 uh, then he then he admits his fault in the affair, uh, and, and thus restores the the lady's honor. So, but nervous he has he has to knock the guy off his horse before he, before he can do that. A person uh, learns better manners and is knighted by King Arthur, and he sets out in search of adventure, and eventually marries a queen whom he leaves at home, just like his father did, and goes off adventuring again. And he finds an old knight who offers him good advice. Now, his mother had told him to to heed the advice of a graybeard, find an old graybeard mentor. And the advice he gets from the old cotcher is as bad as his mother's advice on women. He is advised, don't ask too many questions. Now... In due course, he encounters the lame Fisher King and Fortas. Uh, the Fisher King is lame. Of course, he's he's been he's been wounded, and and uh, and uh, but uh, he still he still stays out in the lake in front of his castle fishing. That's why they call him the Fisher King. And and uh, they wear some peacock feather in his hat, and he sits out there fishing. Uh, now here, first of all, is welcomed, and he observes the Grail ceremonies. They bring in the bleeding lance and they serve a sumptuous feast. And then Fortis presents Parseval, and is the fisher cake, and Portis presents Parseval with a magic sword, which, if ever broken, can be restored by placing it in a sacred spring. However, Parseval never asks his host the crucial question what is his affliction? And he leaves Monsalvat taking the sword, not realizing that his failure to ask the question has lost him the grail and the kingship of the grail castle. After many adventures, he's finally informed of his mistake and the curse it has brought on him by a monstrous woman called Kundry the sorceress. Now this evil beast-faced woman rides into King Arthur's castle on a mule and berates Parsifal for his failure to ask the kindly and fortis what his illness was. Parsifal accepts his chastisement and vows to seek the Grail again. He encounters Trevisant, Trevis Trevisant, the hermit, who is in Wolfram's story the counterpart to Merlin. And and Trevisant tells him about the Grail. And so now let's. Uh, Let's go to page 243, and we'll we'll pick up Trevesant's telling us about the grail. 243. From him, now, Parzival will hear the mysteries of the grail. Anyone who asked me before about the grail and took me to task for not telling him was very much in the wrong. Coyote asked me not to reveal this, for adventure commanded him to give it to no thought until she herself, adventure, that that's uh, Wolfram's muse, should invite the telling. And then one must speak of it, of course. Coyote, the well-known master, found in Toledo, discarded, sat down in heathen writing, that's Arabic, the first source of this adventure. He had first to learn the ABCs. Now, that's obviously Abjad, which is Arabic Kabbalah, because that's what's what... Uh, what but, but uh, that they had, had got the, the first letters of the Arabic alphabet, um, but without the art of black magic. Tim, but he was baptized. Uh, this is uh, Wolfram. Wolfram is, is, you know, he's doing like uh, like the guys that, that that transcribe Beowulf. He's he's making sure that the, that he's keeping his Christian readers happy. Else, this story would still be unknown. No heathen art could be of use in revealing the nature of the grail and how its mysteries were discovered. A heathen, Lentanius, had achieved high renown for his learning. This scholar of nature was descended from Solomon and born of a family which had long been Israelite until baptism became our shield against the fires of hell. And he wrote The Adventures of the Grail on his father's side. Plagentius was a heathen who worshipped a calf as if it were his god. Now how can the devil bring people so wise to such a shameful pass that they do not uh, and did not distinguish between a calf and him whose hand is supreme and to whom all wonders are known? And the heathen Plagentius could tell us, how all the stars set and rose again, and how long each one revolves before it reaches its starting point once more. And to the circling course of the stars, man's affairs and destiny are linked. But Gentius the heathen saw, with his open eyes, in the constellations, things he was shy to talk about, hidden mysteries. He said, there was a thing called the Grail. Of course, that according to Kahane, not that that, that that that's the Hermetic Crater. That's that's the Crater of you know the constellation Crater, whose name he had read he had read early in the constellations. A host of angels let, left it on the earth and then flew away over the stars. Was it their innocence that drew them away? And since then. Baptized men have had the task of guarding it. Now, those of you who are familiar with the uh, with the Fifth Hermetic Treatise, The Crater, yeah, you know, obviously, that that's, that, that that's what uh, what they're referring to here. And with such chaste discipline that those who are called to the service of the grail are always noble men. Thus wrote Plaginus of these things. Now, Coyote, the wise master set about to trace this tale in Latin books to see where there ever had been a people dedicated to purity and worthy of caring for the grail. He read the chronicles of the lands in Britain and elsewhere in France and in Ireland and in Anjou, and he found the tale. And there he read the true story of Mazadan and the exact record of all his family that that was written down, and further, how Titriel and his son Pramultiel bequeathed the grail to Anfortas, whose sister Herzlodi, whose sister Herzlodi was. And by her, Gamaret had a child, who is the hero of this story. That was Percival. He is riding now along a new path on which the Grey Knight met him. Now that, uh, that is... Uh, um, That's the original origin there, Um, the Spanish origin of the grail. Parzival ventures on, and he encounters another monkish hermit who tells him about Montsouvat and the grail community. Now, this this hermit's tale is on page 251. Uh, That's the hermit's tale. You say you yearn for the grail, you foolish man. I'm grieved to hear that. But no man can ever win the grail unless he is known in heaven, and he is and he be called by name to the grail. Now this I must tell you about the grail, for I know it to be so, and I have seen it for myself. Were you there, asked Parzival? The host replied, Sir, I was. Parzival did not reveal that he too had once been there, but asked the hermit to tell him about the grail. Well, I know, said his host, that many brave knights dwell in the grail and dwell with the grail at Monsalot. Always when they ride out, as they often do, to seek adventure, they do so for their sins. These Templars, whether their reward be defeat or victory, a valiant host lives there. And I will tell you that they are how they are sustained. They live from a stone of purest kind. If you do not know it, it shall here be named to you. It is called Lapsit's Exilus. By the power of that stone, the phoenix burns to ashes, and the ashes give him life again. Thus does the phoenix molt and change its plumage which afterward is bright and shining, and as lovely as before. There never was a human so ill, but that if he one day sees that stone, he cannot die within the week that follows, and in looks he will not fade. His appearance will stay the same, be it maid or man, as on the day he saw the stone. And the same as when the best years of his life began, and though he should see the stone for 200 years, it will never change, save that his hair might perhaps turn gray. Such power does the stone give a man that flesh and bones are at once made young again. The stone is also called the grail. This very day there comes to to it a message wherein lies its greatest power. Today is Good Friday, and they await there a dove winging down from heaven. It brings a small white wafer and leaves it on the stone. And then shining white, the dove soars up to heaven again, always on Good Friday that brings to the stone what I have just told you. And from that the stone derives whatever good fragrances of drink and food there are on earth and like to the perfection of paradise. And I mean all things the earth may bear. And further, the stone provides whatever game lives beneath the heavens, whether it flies or runs or swims. And thus, to the nightly brotherhood, there's the power of the grail, gives sustenance. Hear now how those called to the grail are made known. And this is... This is where it begins to sound sort of like Tolkien's ring. On the stone, around the edge, appear letters inscribed, giving the name and lineage of each one, maid or boy, who is to take this blessed journey. No one needs to rub out the inscription, for once he has read the name, it fades away before his eyes. All those now grown to maturity come There, as children. Blessed is the mother who bore a child destined to do service there. Poor and rich alike rejoice if their child is summoned to join the company. They are brought there from many lands. From sinful shame, they are more protected than others and receive good reward in heaven. And when life dies for them here, they are given perfection there. Those who took neither side when Lucifer and the Trinity fought; these angels. This, of course, is a connection to the uh, to the Book of Enoch, which is also the Sabaeans adopted as a, one of their one of their scriptures. Um, these angels, noble and worthy, were compelled to descend to earth, uh, to this same stone. Yet the stone is always pure. I know not if God forgave them or condemned them still more. If it was his right to do so, he took them back again. Since then, the stone has always been in the care of those God called to this task and to whom he sent his angel. Sir, such is the nature of the grail. Now, let me make a uh, little side comment on that. In the first place, uh, as you may know, Lucifer. Lucifer is a composite, like Crowley's Babylon. Lucifer was created by the prophet Isaiah, and actually, what Lucifer is is a composite of of, of all the fallen angels of the of the uh, of the uh, Book of Enoch, who were the the original Canaanite uh, Elohim that uh, Jehovah kicked out when he stormed heaven. So uh, this is. Uh, uh the, 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 this this follows right along with the book of Enoch and it also follows along with the uh, with the Hermetic treatise The Crater. Right. So Now on page two fifty six we learn about how M- An Fortis received his wound. On two fifty six. How did An and Anfortas get get his wound. two fifty six. When Freemotel, my father lost his life they chose his eldest son to succeed him as king and lord of the grail and the grail's company. That was my brother Anfortis, who was worthy of crown and power. We were still small, and then my brother reached the age when his beard began to grow, the time when love wages battle with youth. Here love does not act quite honorably, and one must say, for she passes her, her friend so hard. But, If any lord of the grail craves a love other than the writing on the grail allows him, he will suffer distress and grievous misery. This is kind of like that soulmate thing. Because in Valentinian Christianity, which this certainly is is an example of uh, uh you're, you're this you you're you're not complete you're not a complete soul until you're united and and, and even you know uh and Parseval you know for all of his fooling around and everything else, he always remains basically true to his wife uh now, my lord and brother chose for himself a lady of virtue, so he thought. But she but who she was does not matter. In her service he fought as one from whom cowardice has fled, and many a shield's rim was riddled for her by his good hand, and with his adventures the sweet and valiant man won such fame that never in all the lands where chivalry held sway could anyone question that his was the greatest of all. A more was his battle cry. But that cry is not quite appropriate for the spirit of humility. One day the king rode out alone, and sorely did his people rue it, in search of adventure, rejoicing in love's assistance. Love's desire compelled him to it, and with a poisoned spear he was wounded. So, in the jousting, your sweet uncle, that he never again was healed, pierced through his testicles. It was a heathen who fought him, in that joust Mourn in Athanese, where from paradise the Tigris flows. Now this heathen was sure that his visor and his valor would win him the grail. Its name was engraved on his spear, and only for the sake of the grail's power did he seek nightly deeds far off, roaming over sea and land, in this battle, our joy was lost to us. Your uncle's fighting was deserving of praise, and with the iron spearhead in his body he rode away. When that gallant young man came home to his people, great indeed was their was their grief. The heathen lay dead where he had left him. Let us make lament for him too, but sparingly." <laughs> When the king returned to us so pale and all his strength had the way, a physician probed the wound until he found the iron spearhead and a splinter of the reed shaft, and he removed them. I fell on my knees and I prayed and I made a vow to God Almighty that never more would I practice knighthood if only he, for the sake of his own great name, would help my brother from his distress. And I renounced the flesh also and wine and bread and all things that have blood in them and swore never more to desire them, and that caused fresh sorrow for the people." Dear nephew, and I am speaking the truth. When I parted with with my sword, they said, "Who shall be the guardian now of the mystery of the Grail?" Bright eyes were weeping there. Straight away, hoping for God's help, they carried the king and the king to the Grail. And when the king beheld the Grail, that brought him that brought him further anguish. And since now he could not die, death was not permitted him, seeing I had dedicated myself to a life of poverty and the lordship of that noble race hung upon such such weak strength. The king's wound had festered, and we found he found no help in all the books of medicine we read, all the cures that are known for Apis and Cidium and Hequiditis and, Lys- and, and, and Lysus, and uh, Lysis, Jessus and Matrices, these harmful snakes, all bear burning poison, and all that are known for the stings of other venomous serpents. All the herbs, wise, all the herbs, wise physicians have found in their study, in the art of healing. But let let me be brief. None of these could help. God himself denied us their aid. We sought help from the gem. And the and the and the, Fizan, the Euphrates and the Tigris, the four streams flowing out of Paradise, and to Paradise we came so near, where the sweet fragrance is still not faded away. To see perhaps that there might come drifting some herb that would make her sorrow take our sorrow from us. It was labor lost. Our grieving began afresh. Let me. Uh, digress just a minute and mention but uh there is another commentary uh uh that just 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 published uh with uh, a christian interpretation of the parseval uh by by a professor named murphy and i think it is it's called uh, it's called the uh the jewel uh the i got it right here um i'll find it in a minute anyway that uh, uh he thinks that the ground was an altar uh with the with those, these four these four rivers that have just been mentioned uh, depicted on the altar. But we uh, we kept on trying various things. Now I'll read this this is interesting because they 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 go on a mythological quest to try to, to try to heal him and so uh with the very bow which the Sibyl had told Aeneas would protect him from hell's pain and from the smoke of the Plaginium, and from the other rivers flowing there. Long did we search till we found that healing bow, thinking perhaps the dreadful spear, which was destroying our joy, might itself have been poisoned and tempered in the fires of hell. But that proved not to be so. There is a bird called the pelican. This is interesting. There is a bird called the pelican. When it has young, it loves them beyond all measure. And its loyal love impels it to bite its own breast and let the blood run into the beaks of its young ones. It dies in that very hour. And we secured the blood of this bird to try if it, its loyal love would help us too, and we rubbed it as best we could in the wound, and that did not help us. And by the way, that pelican, that 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 pelican pecking at its breast has become a Rosicrucian icon. You see it in in, in numerous Rosicrucian uh, uh, drawings and paintings. There is a beast called the unicorn, which is also attracted by the purity of virgins, that it falls asleep in their laps. And we took a portion of this animal's heart to heal the king's pain. And we took the garnet from the same animal's forehead where it grows beneath the horn, and we ripped that in the edge of the wound, and we even inserted the stone into the wound, which seemed to be full of venom. And this was painful to us and to the king. And we got an herb called uh, trachonite. And of this herb, we hear that uh, that when a dragon is slain, it springs up from its blood. And this herb is inclined to have the characteristics of, of, of the air. Perhaps the scorpions' orbits in the, perhaps the scorpions' orbit in the sky would help us too. And in the time uh, before the planets turn backward in their course, and the change of the moon begins, the retrograde movement. This was when the wound pained most. But even this herb, high and noble origin, was of no avail. And we fell on our knees in prayer before the grail. And all at once we saw written upon it that a night would come. And if from him a question came, our sorrow would be ended. But if anyone, child or maid or man, should prompt him in any way to the question, his question would not help. But the wound would remain as before, and pain more violently, the writing said. Have you understood? Any prompting from you can do great harm. If he does not ask the first night, the power of his question will vanish. But if at the right time his question is asked, he shall be king of the realm, and end shall be made of your sorrows. By the hand of the highest, and Portus shall be healed, but he shall no longer be king. Now, that's that's the charge. Anyway, I apologize. This uh, this copy this copy of Parsonial is a kind of a it's a little fat paperback, and it's kind of, it's kind of hard to hard to handle. I wish there I wish there was a decent uh, a decent hardcover. Uh, uh, copy of the, uh, of the of the Mustard and Passage translation, but there isn't. Um, no. At this point, we should discuss the second storyline in Wolfram's epic. The tale of Sir Gawain, that's, that's Sir Gawain, which everybody is familiar with in Mallory, and his quest for love that leads him to the Castle of Wonders, a magical land ruled by the evil sorcerer Clingshawker. The sorcerer is aided by a beautiful duchess who lures knights into avenging the death of her husband. And Sir Guan wins through all the trials she imposes on him and becomes the lord of the castle. Wolfram, ne- Wolfram never brings Quinshore on stage in the story, but the duchess tells Guan about him. So we'll go to page 325 and 345, and Wolfram never never introduced uh Clinshaw, but he but he, he he's uh, he's the archetypal uh evil wizard. Um, that's three twenty five and three forty. Uh, Sir, now hear how Clinshaw came to possess rich wearers before your gate. When the noble Amfortas, who had sent me these gifts, this is the Duchess talking, uh this gift, the gift was bereft of love and joy. I feared some outrage from Clinsor, for he practiced the art of black magic, and with sorcery he can compel both women and men. Whenever he sees good people, he never lets them go unharmed. To have peace with him I gave rich, my rich treasure. But if anyone should withstand the adventure and win the prize, then I was to seek his love. And if I did not please him, the treasure would be mine once more. And now it shall belong to both of us. And he's telling Gwen to Glenn that, because Gwen has went through all all these trials. Uh, to this agreement, all these presents swore an oath. I hoped to lure Grandma Flans with the treasure, but the plan did not succeed. Grandma Flans was the was the knight that killed her killed her husband he had undertaken the adventure, he would have suffered death. Quinshore is courtly and clever. To bring honor to himself, he permitted my renowned followers nightly combat throughout the land, and many a thrust and blow. On all the days of the week, and all the weeks of the year, I send out special bands to act upon gram-a-flies. uh some, of the, some by day and others by night. A great cost, I plotted harm to the arrogant grandma He often fights with my people. What, what, is that, what, what, what is that that has always saved him from them? For I knew well how to threaten his life. And many of the knights who were too rich to serve me for pay, I allowed to serve for love of me. And if they would not aid me otherwise, but I did not assure them any reward. Actually, this this woman is is <laughs> she is really she could be perfectly played by Joan Collins the bitch. I mean she she is she's she she really she treats these guys horribly. She's a beautiful woman and she sends them off on these uh, to try to, to to try to defeat this guy that killed her husband. Uh, <laughs> no man has ever beheld me, but that I could have had his service, save for one. Who wore red armor? And of course, that's Parsifal. He put my uh, he put my men in peril. He came riding up uh, uh, between Logris and and your ferry dock, and his hand vanquished them, and uh, and he strewed them all over the ground. So that I was not very happy. And five of my knights pursued him. and Those he defeated on the meadow and gave their horses to the boatmen. Now, Um there's um, more on Clingsor and uh I have to do this from memory because uh I understood this this in the book, but uh, somehow or other the tide I you mean know, the cat's got the tide <laughs> yeah, out of the book. Anyway, uh Clingsore was a, it was an adulterer like so many knights in those days, he pledged his service to a married woman, which is a rather common thing, you know. That the champion of a married woman, Lesso, I've got into that problem with King Arthur, you know. And 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 uh, and then if you if you uh, if you were troubadour, you you could do that. You you could you could pledge your love your love and your service to 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 somebody else's wife, but you better not ever be caught in bed with her. Which is what happened to Klingsor. He got he, he got caught in bed with 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 the, with the woman he had pledged his service to, and and uh, and uh, the husband uh, the husband castrated castrated Klingsor, and so Klingsor was was a was a eunuch, and and uh, he recovered from that and became uh, and, and 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 you know was became very bitter bitter against uh, uh against uh everybody you know that, that that was better off than he was and he went to he went to persia and learned and learned magic and he and, and, uh, and then he came back from persia and persia being the land of magic and he, he came back from persia and 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 created this castle of wonders uh and and uh, with all these various miracles uh, in it, like the like the, the like the wonder bed. There's a there, there's a there's a magical bed in the castle of wonders that if you try to get in it, it'll it starts flying around the room and bouncing off the walls and then and then and then there's a pillar. There's a crystalline pillar in the uh, out on the on the patio in the cat that that you can see for miles. It's just sort of like a it's sort of like a uh, almost like a, a, a television monitor, you can you can look in this pillar and you can see what's going on all around the country, and uh, and and he has all these women that he has lured, these beautiful women that he's lured to the castle, and they can't get away, and and of course, and if you uh, if you win through all of his uh, challenges that he that that he and his duchess have set up, uh, then you can be the lord of the castle, which is what happens to Gawain. Or, or go on, and um, and uh, uh, so Quinshaw, You know, uh, as I said, he doesn't he doesn't show up in the story. We just talk about him and about his his uh, his castle and whatever. But in Wagner's uh, Wagner's version, of course, uh, naturally he shows up, uh, and and because he's too good a character for Wagner not to use. So anyway, that. Uh, so so and the evil wizard uh uh is is, is thwarted, and uh although Gowan's story is only superficially connected with Parseval's Grail quest, it does have the villainous wizard and a magical castle and motifs that were too good for Wolfram and subsequently Richard Wagner not to include so Gowan's experience replicates Parseval's as the following passage indicates. And well, uh, let's see, three thirty-eight, three thirty-nine. Benet and Arnive, Arnide, the two women, set out, uh, set about to, to, to see that their that their host found comfort. And the Duchess, that's swine, and the Duchess lent a willing hand. The three of them led Goan to find his rest. In a chamber, he saw two separate couches. I shall not tell you how these were decorated. There are other things to relate. Arnive said to the Duchess, she's the queen, by the way, now take care of this knight that he finds rest, since you were the cause of his coming here. And if he desires help from you, you you will have honor from your help. I shall say no more to you, save that his wounds are bandaged with such skill that he could now wear armor. Yet you should pity his grief, and if you can soften it, that is good. And if you can rise, raise his spirits, we shall all gain by that. So spare no pains to help him. And with her Lord's consent, Queen Arnave took her leave, and Benay carried a light before her, and Sir Gwan made fast the door. That these two could now steal love, I am reluctant to conceal. It would be easier for me to tell you what happened there, but people have always accused of impropriety anyone who makes public things that are secret. And even today, the courteous disapprove of this, and he who does so is censored. And let courtesy... Be the rock that conceals the ways of love. So obviously, obviously, Gawain is uh, is uh, um, you know having his, having his uh, his affair. Now, the rigors of love on the beautiful Duchess had once caused Gawain's joy to vanish. Yet without it. A beloved, without a beloved, he would have been lost forever. Wise men, and this is is very important. Wise men, all who had ever sat and pondered the hard questions of knowledge. Tancor and Thebet and Trebuchet the Smith did the engraving on Primatel's sword thereby giving him such miraculous strength and the skill of physicians. If they had all met him well and given him healing herbs, well-blended, without a woman beside him, Wayne would have borne that sharp distress until his bitter death. Now, Thiebut, T-H-E-P-I-T, that's Thiebut even Kara. Thebet ibn quran was a Sabean wizard and, and an astrologer and a wizard and and, and we still use thibet ibn qurah's books today uh, and and we we still use them the imaginabus and and uh, you can get it from uh, uh you know from uh from christopher warnock uh, so Finally, when Percival and his Arabian half-brother come together at the Grail Castle, in the conclusion, we have the ultimate confirmation of Sabean planetary influence. The blessing of the sorceress Kundry, who is still as ugly as the Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, She comes riding back in with her mule, on her mule, and the mule has slipped. Has, has has his nostrils slit so he's almost as ugly as she is. And uh, so Cundry comes running back in and and uh where she cursed uh where she cursed uh um, um first, she now gives him her final blessing. And this this is probably one of the most one of the most profound hermetic uh, passages in the book. With her hand, she undid her headdress and threw down the veil and fastenings in front of her in a ring. sorceress, the sorceress was then recognized at once, and the gray old coat of arms that she wore was gazed at curiously enough. She still had the same appearance that so many men and women had seen appear uh, before the... uh, before was and you, you have heard her countenance described. Her eyes were still the same yellow as topaz. Her teeth were long. Her mouth shone blue, as violet as, as violet. Except uh, to solicit compliments, there was no need of, of her wearing uh, her costly hat. Um, the sun does not hurt her, hurt her any. It could not had been gotten through her hair with this dangerous radiance to tan her complexion. With dignity she stood and proclaimed things that the hearers found astonishing. Directly she began her speech thus. Blessed are you son of Gomorrah. That's Percival's father. God means to manifest his mercy in you I mean the one whom Herzlody bore, that's his mother, the speckled for is welcome to me for the sake of Secundili, my sovereign lady, and for the sake of many a deed of lofty nobleness which his fame has achieved in battle since the years of his youth. To Parzival then she said, show restraint now in your joy Blessed are you in your high life. O crown of man's salvation, the inscription has been read, You shall be lord of the grail. Conwurrimir, your wife, and your son, Lohengrin, have been named therein along with you. When you departed from Robar's to land, the two sons she bore into, into life. Cardia has his his sufficient share there, that even if you never again heard good tidings beyond this, that your truthful lips shall now address greeting to that noble and sweet man, and that now the question from your mouth shall make Amphortus well again and avert him from his sighs and great misery where. Would there ever be your equal in blessedness? Seven stars then she named in the heathen language. That's Arabic. The names were familiar to the rich and noble Firfez, who sat there before her, part black and part white, as she said. Now this is this is what Wolfram, Wolfram wrote. Mark now, Percival the highest of the planets, Zaval, and the swiftly moving Al-Mustri, al Maret and the bright Somsi all show good fortune for you here. And the fifth is named Ali gafir Under these, the sixth is Ali Katir, and the nearest is Al-Kamar. And I do not speak this out of any dream these are the bridle of the firmament and they check its speed their opposition has ever contended against its sweep that comes straight out of Plato's Timaeus which they also which the Arabs also translated from the Greek into Arabic the idea was that the zodiac revolves one way and the planets revolve the opposite way and that's where we get uh, Deucalion and Lutreshins from, and uh, and and that's that's what she's referring to there. For you, hair is now an orphan. Whatever the planet's orbits bound, upon whatever their their light is shed, as your goal to reach and achieve, your sorrow must now perish. Insatiality alone uh, will exclude you from that community for the grail and the grail's power forbid false friendship. When young, you fostered sorrow, but joy approaching has robbed her of you. You have achieved the soul's peace and waited amid sorrow for the joys of the flesh. And now, Quintry's Blessing. Trevizant, who is uh, uh, uh version of Merlin, he has the last word, and this where the word is the most is, is the most profound. This was the thought that came to Percival. He he took a part in the Grail company and rode to Trevizant. The latter's heart rejoiced at the news that things so stood within Portis, that he was not uh, that he had not died from the joust and that the question had achieved his peace. And he said, God has many this this is this this is the final the final and the most profound hermetic secret in the book. And he said God has many secrets ever sat in his council or who knoweth the end of his power. And not all the angels with their company of saints will ever come to know its limits. God is man, and also his Father's word. God is Father and Son. His Spirit can lend great aid. And Trevisan said to Parzival, Greater miracles have seldom come to pass, for you have forced God by defiance to make his infinite trinity grant your will. And uh, The great I am, of course, is 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 a Hermetic secret, and it's also a, a secret of the Kabbalah, which which uh, which the capitalists uh, learned from the Pythagoreans, and and of course the Pythagoreans, uh, Plato was a Pythagorean, and and uh, and Pythagoras did, and Pythagoras, Empedocles, and, and Pythagoras, and all of them, they they were the the fathers of Hermes trismegistus So that. That concludes the secrets that we have been able to dig out of Parseval. Now next week next week we're going to uh we're gonna rebroadcast uh the Janine Renee's uh article which I which I read. uh, uh actually <laughs> i uh, i i'm kind of thinking i just think kind of thinking about, about having about having her about- I'm calling her about having her read it but i don't i don't want that that's gonna work so next but next week we'll re, we'll rerun uh we'll rerun uh that so uh definitely definitely tune in and and uh, these two shows together and and those of you who are really really interested in in uh this this material uh, I hate to tell you right now, but Kahane and Kahane's book, Kahane and Kahane's 1961, uh, well, let's see, I guess it was, yeah, it was 1961, uh, The Crater and the Grail, Hermetic Sources of the All. Amazon has it listed for $1,000 a copy, and, and but I think you can find, find them at eight books for for less than that, maybe 230 a copy. Uh, if you uh uh it, really it really is essential and and uh uh this this uh, definitely uh definitely the parsonal is influenced by the hermetic treatises and and, and via the Sabeans. i don't think there's any doubt about that especially that that poem in the end Kundry uh, recites that 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 really ties it up and uh Anyway, so next week, uh, next week we'll, we'll, we'll go back to Percival, and, and, uh, and meanwhile, uh, uh, happy holidays and, and, uh, and everybody, uh, good magic. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps>